us in the Army and out in the field, we always love the sound of the Huey helicopters coming to pick us up and take us home. But what if the choppers don't come? Hey everyone, this is Jeff from MCS Mag. In episode two of my six-part series of my personal military stories with a survival hook, I'll share how to plan for your own no-chopper scenario. Check this out. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And this is episode two of my six-part series where I'm sharing with you personal stories from my time in the military and giving you the parallels with how these experiences that I've gone through have a practical application to your own survival planning. There's a lot of parallels there, and I love to share the tips that I've gotten from my my personal experience that I can share with you as well. So today what I want to talk about is about how we used to plan for missions, whether there was for training or whether it was for combat, we always had what we called operations orders or op orders. And basically what this was, was a very systematic, methodical, detailed plan of exactly every single aspect of the mission that you were about to go on. And that included everything, including even how you were going to get to and from your objective. Now, being light infantry with the 10th Mountain Division, we were always pretty much on our feet everywhere. So anytime we went out to the field, we were typically, we were always typically walking out there anywhere from five to 10 miles with full rucksack, ammunition and uh, firearm, radios, everything that we needed. And that was a, it was a long walk, but that was the, that was how we got everything started. So then we would spend typically about a week out in the field for training and there's a lot of walking in between there, right? So, and then with time that it was time to come back home, oftentimes we would be able to get a ride back in vehicles or best case scenario, we would get choppers because helicopters would come in, they would pick us up in the Hueys and they would fly us back and within just a few minutes, that we were we were back in the barracks, ordering pizza, cleaning off our gear, and getting ready to take a little bit of R&R for the weekend, go out, tip a few beers, maybe a case of beers, and just have a good time and get rid of all the stress. The sound of choppers was amazing. Like when we heard them coming in the distance, you could hear that thump, 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 thump. And, and that was like freedom was coming. But that was a very rare occurrence. And we always had... You know, maybe if we if we had a backup plan, there was vehicles. And if there wasn't vehicles, we were basically hoofing it back into the the barracks. So there's a lot of parallels for this when it comes to a real life survival scenario. And one of the, the one of the, the examples that we use oftentimes is Hurricane Katrina. Right. Because this was 
just this was a soup sandwich. This thing got messed up from beginning to end. And this is a, a good example of what we don't want to see happen, right? So during Hurricane Katrina down in New Orleans, a lot of people stayed in their homes because they thought it was their only option or they thought it was their best option or that they didn't think that the storm was going to be as bad as it was. And so they thought they could weather it out. So that was the best case scenario. Other people were left behind because they simply didn't have a way out. And others were stuck there or on the highway or they couldn't escape because they, they tried to get out and they, they just met an obstacle that they were not able to get past. Now, during these times when a disaster actually hits you, these decisions are going to be made for you. So, for example, you might want to stay in your home or you think it's your only option, but then if there's a flood, like we experienced in my, in my hometown, some people stayed because they didn't think that the water would get that high. It never did before. Well, the water got that high. And when that happened, the decisions made for you. You're not going to be able to stay down in the living room. A lot of people had to keep going up to the second floor. And then there were people, friends of mine, were actually trapped in their attic with only about six inches or about 12 inches left of room to breathe before the water started to subside. Well, there were cases in Katrina as well. The waters kept rising and rising and all of a sudden people are now on their roofs or they simply died. And these decisions are made for you of whether you are going to be able to live or die or should you stay at home or not stay at home. So, you know, for for especially even even Katrina, you know, we had the soup, you know, people were forced into the Superdome or they were forced out on the streets or, you know, look, there's there's not going to be a door to door service even when the government comes in or National Guard comes in to help people out. Even if you're stuck on the highway, they're not going to come by and say, okay, let's pick you up. I'm going to take you over to your, your, uh, your aunts in, in Texas and we're going to drive you over there because that's where you were headed. No. When they pick everybody up that's stuck on the highways, where do they put them? They drive them over to the Superdome, right? Or they, or to the Red Cross camp, to the FEMA camp, whatever it is, that decision is going to be made for you. Now, we all know as survivalists, the last thing you want is for people to be making, especially the government, to be making these decisions for you. It's typically never going to be good for you. So you have to, in a, whether it's in the survival scenario or whether it's planning for it, it all has to be on your terms. This is what gives you options. This is what gives you the power to protect yourself and your family, both from the disaster itself as well as the after effects, which could be looting it could be uh, all of the all the horrors of a superdome type scenario or being put in some camp somewhere where you don't have the luxury of being able to come and go and leave and say whatever so you've really got to be able to make it on your terms so let me share with you three tips that I want you to take from my no chopper scenario so that you can take care of you and your family so so tip number 1 you have to hope for the best but plan for the worst now, I'll give you another little side story here. I heard a story one time of a guy that was, he was climbing Mount Everest, which we all know is an extremely dangerous scenario, right? It's a, it's a dangerous task. Go watch the movie Everest. Uh, it's a really good movie and it, and it give, it's a very good survival movie, even though it's, you know, it's not like a Katrina type thing and there's looters and anarchists all over the place, but, but basically, it's about survival. The whole movie is about survival. And so I really recommend that you go see it. But 
a guy that was actually hiking up Everest with a team was asked by a reporter, well, are you afraid of hiking, you know, of, of climbing Mount Everest? And the guy said, no. And the reporter said, well, how can that be? I mean, it's dangerous. I mean, there are people that die trying to, to go up Everest. And he said, well, it's very simple. We have planned out with my team every single eventuality that can happen, every single scenario that could possibly happen to us, worst case scenarios. And for each one of those scenarios, we devised a, a plan. So basically anything can happen to us and we know we have the solution to be able to take care of that plan. So you think about that, like we prepare because we don't want to be unprepared. We don't want to be, when you, when you do feel prepared, you have a sense of confidence, right? There's nothing to really be afraid of because you know whatever happens, you'll be able to take care of. You know that if the grocery stores go empty, then you have survival food set aside and you're not going to be out there trying to beg for a granola bar at the Red Cross station, right? So you have these things, you have these plans in place ahead of time and that's what reduces the anxiety about what could possibly happen in a survival scenario. So really taking this guy's example as well as like anytime we did a, a mission in the military, we had backup plans as well. We knew that the, your best plan might not happen. <laughs> and, I, and I have a, a personal story for you later on in another episode that will share how this actually plan, planned out for me as well. But you have to be prepared for this. So do the same thing that this Everest guy did. And you have to constantly be asking yourself, but what if this happens? Okay, so most people out there plan for the best, right? They think they're going to be in their home, so they plan for their home. They plan for a surviving place. Most people don't even plan at all. They figure the government's going to take care of them. But for even for those of you that, that, that want to be prepared, a lot of people I know are just planning for a surviving place. But what if? What if that disaster does, it has you in its sights and you're not able to stay at, you know, survive in place? What if you're not able to stay at home? What if that disaster takes you out of your home? What if there's a high chance of looting and home invasions in the aftermath? Okay. What if electricity does go out and there's no fuel station? There's no fuel stations now. There's the grocery stores are going to be um, ransacked. What if, what if, what if, what if you have to constantly be asking in your plan, but what if this happens? So here's my plan, but what if this doesn't happen? What's my backup? So you always have to, it's great to hope for the best, but you have to plan for the worst case scenarios and what you're going to do in every single scenario. So do that analysis and constantly ask yourself that question. Now, tip number two, coordinate your transportation ahead of time. So in the military, we always had to plan our missions out ahead of time because we had to submit a request for support. It was a very, it was a very bureaucratic type approach to it, right? But we had to coordinate personnel and equipment. If we wanted to get choppers to bring us back in from the field, we had to coordinate those. You don't just pick up the phone or the radio and say, Hey, we need choppers. Okay. You need to plan that ahead of time to make sure that those resources are available to you. Same thing with the vehicles. Uh, they were a bit easier for us in the military because we had vehicles back in the rear. And so if we needed them, we could typically get some, you know, somebody to jump into a five ton, come on out and pick us up if we needed it. But that wasn't always available also, right? 
So you need to coordinate this ahead of time because the last thing you want is just to make a last minute decision and hope that those resources are going to be available. So for example, like what if you aren't able to stay at home and what if you do have to leave? Okay. Are you just going to pick up the phone and, and, and call your grandson or your, your brother or whatever and say, Hey, the disaster is coming. Can you come pick me up? The response might be, uh, no, I'm already two states away. Why did you stay there? Or it could be, yeah, I'll try, but there's just too much traffic in between and they can't even make it out to you. Now, this comes especially into account for those people that may be older because we hear, hear this a lot. I get this a lot when uh, people call up. Uh, we do open office hours for, for uh, New World Patriot Alliance. And people can talk to me one-on-one -on -one and share, you know, ask their questions or share their plans. And we can do an analysis right there. And I get a lot of people who are elderly who say, you know, I really don't, you know, I don't have uh, transportation out or what am I going to do? And so we talk about ways to coordinate that. So if you don't drive or if you, if you need help because disabled or something like that, what are you coordinating ahead of time? Do you have a relative? Do you have a neighbor? Do you have somebody that can help you? Well, the, the time to coordinate that is not during a disaster. You've got to plan that ahead of time. And so you talk with them about those types of scenarios. And hey, if this were to happen, um, what, you know, would, would I be able to ride with you? Um, and there's, there's a responsibility that goes with that, but, the whole point is to really be able to coordinate that ahead of time so that you know you have a way out. Okay, that's going to relieve a lot of anxiety as well. In addition to that, you have to plan your routes out. So if you are forced out of your home, what if I'm not able to stay at home and I have to leave? Are you just going to follow the herd and get into the, the, the pre-planned government evacuation route where everybody else is going? Well, that might work for you if you get enough lead time and you're one of the people who jumps on the road very quickly and gets out of Dodge. But what if you can't? What if that's all blocked up? What is your plan B? What is your alternative route that takes advantage of other, other, other ways of getting to safety? And that might not be, that could be back roads. It could even be things like along railroad tracks. It could even be waterways, things like that. And more on that here in just a minute. But the whole point here is you have to coordinate your transportation ahead of time for those what if my best case scenario doesn't happen. And tip number three is no matter what, you must get to your destination. Now, if we were out in the middle of the woods on a training mission or whatever it was, and we had choppers pre-planned and the choppers don't come because maybe because of weather or they were needed elsewhere, whatever it might be, choppers aren't coming. Okay, well, what do we have next? Well, can we get the vehicles out here? So, nope, we can't get the vehicles out here. Um, what, what, you know, they're, they're resourced somewhere else. Okay, well, it wasn't like, well, I guess we'll stay out here in the field and wait around until, you know, maybe a couple days until we can get choppers out. No, we were going back in. We had to get back home. And so what that typically meant was our LPCs our leather personnel carriers, basically our combat boots. So what it meant was we were walking from where we were back to the barracks. Now that might be five miles, it could be 10 miles, it could be even further. It depended upon where we ended our mission at the end of the week. Not a fun time at all. But the point is, is that you have to have a backup plan 
that is going to protect you and your family. So if you're stuck on the road because there's obstacles there and you can't get past them, does that just mean you're going to be like the rest of the herd and just say, oh, I guess, honey, I guess we're just going to be here in the in the path of disaster like everybody else, or we'll wait to get picked up by the National Guard and, and brought back to the FEMA camp. You you have to make sure that you are doing it on your terms. You're you're protecting your family on your terms, and that means being prepared for all five phases of a disaster. Now, I talk about this a lot inside of my the free guide that we have at survivalgearsecrets.com. You can go ahead and get a copy of that. But there are essentially five phases of a disaster when it comes to preparing for how you're going to respond to it. Number one is survive in place. Number two is bugging out by vehicle, which is best case scenario. But number three is bugging out by alternative transportation. And number four is bugging out by feet, on your feet, your leather personnel carriers. And number five are taking care of short-term missions that you might have, whether it's in a bug out scenario, or whether it's in a survival, survive in place scenario. Now, again, I go more into depth in these in the Survival Gear Secrets book that we have. Again, you can go get that at survivalgearsecrets.com. But the point here is that you have to have a layered plan in order to be prepared for any phase of a disaster that you might be stuck in. So as an example, if you are stuck on the road, what alternative means of transportation do you have? You don't want to be stuck with the vehicle there, so you still have to get to your destination. How are you going to do that? Choppers aren't coming, so it's all up to you. How are you going to protect your family? Do you have an alternative means of transportation like a bicycle? or a motorcycle or whatever it might be, okay? You have to really analyze what your options are and your scenario. We talked about this in last week's. So you have to really look at what your options are, okay? All right, so those are the three tips from my personal no chopper scenario. Now it really comes to you asking those questions of yourself. Start to plan out your best case scenario, but what those, but what if this happens fallback plans. What are you going to do when those aren't available? What can you coordinate now? How are you going to do it? And actually taking action on coordinating ahead of time for how you're going to leave if you have to, or how you're going to consolidate with other people, your survival team or other people in your mutual aid group that you can survive in place. And then what are your backup plans if you do need to get to your destination, but all hell's breaking loose and everything seems to be going wrong. Again, go over to survivalgearsecrets.com and it goes into all of this stuff in a lot more depth as well. And next week I'll have another personal military story with my survival hook that's going to help you be better prepared. So stay tuned for that. This is Jeff Anderson from Modern Combat and Survival saying prepare, train, and survive. <laughs> Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.